Mark Twain said the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. The why is hidden in your name. Sharon Lynn Wyeth has created a scientific way of deciphering your name to reveal your contract for this lifetime. And your name even specifies the seven areas that are subsets of your soul's overall goal. Your name identifies who you are to both yourself and others. What does your name say about you? Find out in the book Know the Name, Know the Person, which can be purchased on the website knowthename.com. Welcome to Luminescence Common Sense Spirituality, a show designed to share spiritual insights with you so that you can comprehend the universe and how it functions. You are about to experience raised consciousness. This is a place where spiritual principles are shared with the goal of assisting you to expand your understanding of both the seen and unseen worlds. Luminescence Common Sense Spirituality helps you to discern the timeless truths handed down from wise sages through the ages, from the airy-fairy nonsense that is being taught today. Now, here is your host, Sharon Lynn Wyeth. Welcome to Luminescence Common Sense Spirituality the radio show that disseminates esoteric knowledge and common sense spirituality. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, creator of Namology Science, the ability to know all about a person's personality and the soul's purpose simply from a person's name. You can book a reading with me and order my books at knowthename.com. Now, the beautiful music behind that intro that you just heard is called Shine by Dee Lamore. And you can hear more of her music by visiting her website, dlamore.com. And as you know, we always end our, our show with her music because it is just absolutely beautiful. And again, that is Shine by Dee Lamore. Now, our topic today is free will and its advantages, disadvantages. Did free will exist in the original Bible? Do other species have free will? What is the energy behind the saying asking us to make our will in alignment with God's will? Is it against God to take someone else's will from them? What about parents and their children when it comes to free will and making your kids do something or wanting them to do something? How much free will do kids have? And how do we create what we want without infringing on another person's will? Our special guest today is Lincoln Gergar, and I am absolutely thrilled that he has agreed to be a regular and come on every other month with me because his knowledge is quite extensive. Now, since the age of 18, Lincoln Gergar has been helping people to awaken to who they are as the blissful consciousness creating their lives. At age 25, Lincoln started teaching to a worldwide audience via YouTube, holding personal sessions and hosting in-person events. His channel Higher Self videos have received over 5 million views. He has taught in 13 countries on five continents and channels privately for over 1,000 people every year. His message is simple, direct, and clear. The life you experience is the direct expression of what you believe to be your reality. Expand yourself as consciousness into all parts of your mind, emotions, and body to gain creative control of your human reality. Replace your memory-based conditioning with your conscious free will creations. Dive to the depth of yourself, enter the spiritual heart, and experience a dimension of oneness where formless awareness and the energy of life exist as a singular state, free from division and the personal self. 
Awaken to the truth that you've always been the creator of your reality and live as this truth. Now, you can receive Lincoln's channeled messages and guided meditations to accelerate your ascension into higher self-consciousness. You can join him. He's internationally recognized, and he channels the energy activation and information to help you awaken. So learn about your own inner teacher, the higher self, the layers of your multidimensional energy system, and how to become a more effective creator for your human reality. So I'd like to introduce... Lincoln, I could go on and brag about him for a long time. He is absolutely one of my favorites when I need more information than what I'm able to get for myself. Welcome to Luminescence, Lincoln. Uh, Thank you, Sharon, for such a kind introduction. And like you, I'm really happy that we're together today. I loved our last show last year, and I'm so excited for this year and all the wonderful information and energy we'll be sharing with everyone. Great. So our topic's free will and its advantages, disadvantages. So please talk to us first on free will, and then I'll keep asking questions. Mm. Uh, Well, first, I I loved your introduction, and I love the whole purpose of your radio show, Uh, Common Sense Spirituality, removing all the fluff and all the confusion and making it real down-to-earth and practical. And I think that free will definitely ties into this. In my experience, free will is one of the most confusing subject matters. I think when a lot of people think about free will and talk about free will, they get confused about what free will actually is in terms of are they able to make choices or not. So a lot of people think if you do something I don't like or if you force me or encourage me to do something I don't like, then I don't have free will in that experience. And I think that's an inaccurate way of looking at it. So my experience is that we're eternal consciousness. We're souls. And the nature of our soul is to be a creator. When we wake up as spiritual beings, we realize that we are this deeper state of consciousness that has free will inherent in it. So it's not able to be removed. It's not able to be reduced or changed in any way. But the challenge that we have is the forms that we're creating with have memories. And within those memories are automatic expressions of the intelligence of those forms. So we are souls and we have a physical body. And the body has a memory, and that body's memory communicates to us through our thoughts and through our emotional reactions. A lot of the confusion I feel happens because people identify as being their thoughts, and they identify as being their emotional reactions. So if the body has its own intelligence that's different than our souls, and the body's telling us its understanding from its past experiences, we might think we're being controlled by our thoughts and our emotional reactions. And I think that's the biggest issue with free will where all the confusion happens. So with myself, I realize that I can choose consciously to the degree that I'm awake and experiencing myself as the soul, which is an expanded state of awareness, intelligence, and energy. I actually have the free will to choose my expression. I hear my thoughts, but I'm not creating them unless, of course, I do an affirmation practice or a mantra or something like that. But I hear my thoughts because my body's will, my body's intelligence, talks to me. Its memory-based conditioning tells me what it believes is the way to interpret the present moment that I'm experiencing. So the body's memories talk to me. I'm the consciousness that gets to decide. Do I agree with those thoughts? Do I act on those thoughts? How do I consciously respond to my thoughts? It's like in meditation. Some people argue with their own mind. I can't stop my thoughts from appearing. I can concentrate and I can temporarily suspend those thoughts from happening, 
my body's like an autopilot. It's trying to tell me what it's experienced, and it uses thoughts to do that. I get to choose consciously how I want to respond to that. So I think a big confusion happens where people identify as being their thoughts and their emotions and their body, and because the thoughts just don't stop, we think we don't have free will and we're being controlled by our thoughts. I think that's fascinating that our thoughts don't come from our soul, that it comes from the body. Yeah. Yeah, because if you observe your thoughts, it's essentially your memory is telling you the understanding that you as a soul built with the body. The body has its memory and it talks to you to help you remember how to interpret life. Because if there was no memory in the body, I think as souls, we'd end up forgetting what things mean, forgetting who people are. And I think a good example for this is when someone has a condition like Alzheimer's. Their physical body's malfunctioning because of a breakdown in the brain, and the person fails to remember things. The soul's awake. The soul has its karma and its lessons that it carries through the lifetimes. Even when we go out of body or after a lifetime, we remember the other souls that we're joining with. But when we're in the body with an Alzheimer experience, for example, the body forgets. The memory of the body doesn't work. And so I think that if we can really break down who I am and who I am not, such as I'm not the body, then we can get real clear on this topic of free will and understand our life more effectively. Um, I love that interpretation. You know what, Lincoln, we're going to have to do a show just on health. I'm going to add that to our agenda (laughs) Um, because I find that so fascinating. So, what is our advantages of having free will, and are there any disadvantages to having free will? Uh, well, I think free will is the foundational quality of who we are. We are, at least in my experience, understanding God consciousness. Essentially, the one source has divided itself into an infinite number of forms, and then within all those forms placed its own consciousness. So the deepest part of ourselves is identical to the source of all that is. But we get to experience ourselves within a personal universe. So my life is a universe inside of my own consciousness. And your life is a universe inside of your consciousness. And then because we're all the same God consciousness, we all interact sharing our universes and co-creating within each other's universes while also creating in our own. So for me, free will is something that's always there. It never comes and goes. Just our degree of awareness of who we are as free will creators is what changes. So all of us, we began our lifetime having physical human bodies. We were young children, and we were essentially just reactions to our environment. But that's because we weren't aware of ourselves as these self-reflective forms of consciousness. If you look at neurology and neuroscience and the biological aspects of psychology, we realize that the self-reflective quality develops in a child starting around the age of five. And that's when the child knows that it's thinking and it can start to think about thinking. So there's an aspect where the consciousness gets to interact with the body and the brain and the memory and the reasoning that it never did before. That's where I feel our free will first gets understood. Prior to that, our physical body and nervous system is just like a sponge, and we're absorbing everything that's happening in our environment. And we're in these heightened states of super learning. 
also for brain scientists. They found that when we were very young as children, we're in delta brainwave states and theta brainwave states. And these are those deepest brainwave states, the slowest ones, in which we have super learning abilities and we're extremely responsive to new realizations. Essentially, the human experience is designed to get us to learn at like a light speed level when we're young children so that we can really experience and participate in life to the greatest degree at the earliest age. So all that conditioning when we're children, it's not free will, essentially. It's the body learning from our environment so that the body then is able to give us the proper feedback and information as souls so our soul then can experience life. The advantage of having free will is that we get to experience ourselves as smaller versions of God. Essentially, we get to decide our creative journey as human beings. Now, along this journey, of course, we're interacting with each other, and we can't control each other. We're interacting with our body, and we can't control our body. We can guide our body. We can express into our body, but our body essentially is creating its own expression, right? The body beats its own heart. The body breathes its own lungs. The brain processes information whether we want to or not. So our free will allows us to experience ourselves as like smaller versions of God. But then the more we awaken, of course, the more empowered we become, the more knowledgeable we become, and the more we expand our awareness, so we begin to understand who we are as these God-consciousness type beings. In terms of disadvantages, Sharon, I I really don't see a disadvantage to free will. (laughs) Um, I, I think it's amazing. I love it. When you think about how free you are in your life, it's so liberating. It fills you with such happiness. There's really nothing holding us back from creating the realities we want if we can really embrace this idea of free will. Like there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be people who have different goals than you have, and maybe you're competing against them in some areas of life. But that does not have to reduce your level of happiness at all. I think happiness comes to you realizing you can be the person you want to be. You can say what you want to say, do what you want to do, as long as you give yourself permission to do that. It's not necessarily easy because everyone has different desires and different ways of interpreting life. So we're going to have some conflict sometime. But the conflict doesn't mean you're off your spiritual path. It doesn't mean you're necessarily doing something wrong. I think it just means that we have different desires as different human beings living in different universes. So the challenge in life is how can we line up with each other in a cooperative way? Because that will really accelerate us having the experiences that we want to have. You said something in the midst of all of that that absolutely grabbed my attention with children being in the theta wave capacity where they're taking in so much information, which caused me to immediately want to ask, when we are learning something new, when we're studying a new topic, is it to our advantage to put ourselves through meditation into that theta wave situation first so that then we can absorb that material faster? I think that's a toss-up, only because some people can't, really get into that theta wave state because they'll end up falling asleep if they try to get into it. So the brain's producing the whole range of frequencies, everything from the slowest brainwave states, which are called delta, up into these really accelerated, uh, again, like super learning states called gamma. So gamma is like the fastest pulsing brainwaves. So we have all these happening at the same time, but depending upon what we're experiencing at 
as our activities and also our own level of personal development in this human lifetime, we're going to have stronger amounts of a range of these waves. So in the waking state, we're usually alpha waves. And that's what a normal person's at. You're reacting to life situations. You're living very much identified with body and mind. You're being the human being. Then when we meditate, we start to produce more alpha waves, and that's where we start to experience more of the witness state. So the thoughts slow down. We feel like we're in the present moment. We're no longer living through the memories of the past and the future and the thoughts of the body about what to do next. So we're learning how to get more clear as this free will soul level consciousness. And that's one of the beauties of meditation is that it actually takes us to realize who we are as souls and it's measurable in the brain sciences. Then when we get to felt theta, theta is the, the inspirational part of our brain. So when we're having inspired thoughts, when we're in a dream state where there's all this creativity happening inside of us, that's the theta state. If we can get into that state and not fall asleep into a dream during that time, then yeah, definitely. That's an amazing time to do brainstorming and to do visualization practices because we're actually accessing a deeper part of our human nervous system that allows us to then empower the physical body with our own conscious creations. So for anyone who's ever practiced visualization techniques, you know the real key is how to be able to feel the vibration, feel the emotion of what you're thinking about. So you visualize something like a future that you want, and you really want to try to feel the happiness and the reward and the, the feeling of celebration and success of this dream-like visualization you're doing. The more you practice it, the more you're getting into those state of brainwave states, and the way to feel it personally is that your emotions are responding. So when you feel emotion, it's, you're creating a real experience for your body. If you feel it, your body believes it's real, and then that helps with the delivery of your intention into your life, and it also helps to reprogram your, your brain's memory-based conditioning. So yeah, get into the lower brainwave states, definitely very effective. There's different ways to do it, including some technological devices like listening to certain types of music that have these vibrations programmed into your different ears, flashing lights, even meditating on a candle flame, that puts you down into the theta range. So there's ways to kind of trick the nervous system to get into these deeper brainwave states that definitely allow for faster transformation and greater creativity and all those wonderful things we're trying to do as spiritual creators. Thank you for that deviation from our topic today. I really appreciate that. I was just thinking there's <laughs> a way to take in information faster. Okay. So um, what is the energy behind the saying asking us to make our wills in alignment with God's will? Mm, yeah. So this takes us even to a further level of self-realization and, and something that's really close to my own heart and close to the work that I do. Um, so as you introduce, Sharon, I'm a channel for the higher self-consciousness. And for those of you who haven't followed me or maybe you're not aware of channeling or the higher self concept so much, the higher self is a more universal part of our own intelligence, awareness, and energy. So everything in the universe, in my experience, has awareness, intelligence, and energy. Everything's creating, everything's aware of its surroundings, everything's building an understanding. We have it as a personal self like a soul. 
But then as we start to ascend ourselves into more of a unity consciousness state, more of a spiritual enlightenment state, we realize that there's also a more universal intelligence that we're directly plugged into. So in the Bible, for example, they'd often talk about having unity with God the Father, or they talk about being inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe that these are references to being connected into that higher self state. We're essentially merging our personal mind into a higher mind. And this is where channeling comes from. This is where our intuition comes from. This is where a lot of our inner guidance comes from. Because when we're experiencing it, it feels like there's some universal part that like knows everything and it knows exactly how to guide us so that we reach our personal goals and we live the happiest of experiences. To live in alignment with this will of God or this higher self-intelligence, I think it really requires a dedicated effort because you're learning how to base your decisions and to build your understanding from a very different place than what we're used to. So like we were saying earlier, Sharon, in this human reality, we got all of our learning from the world. The world talked to us. It emoted to us. Right? We sensed people's emotional energies. Essentially, our physical body was always observing our environment and was always building an understanding of what this human life is. So we took cues and we watched and we listened and we absorbed as much as we could from everyone around us. But that's the world's understanding, and it's conveyed through a physical medium, right? physical forms, physical expressions in our senses. As we start to awaken and we realize we're part of this greater invisible intelligence, it expresses through intuition, through impulses, through inner knowings, but it's not physically sensible. You can't see it with your eyes, you can't hear it with your ears, and so on. So in order to really align yourself with the will of God, we have to be able to identify this deeper invisible intelligence that runs through all of life, and then really make it a purpose that we're going to try to use the information that it gives us to then make our own personal decisions. So like I said a few minutes ago, we're free will souls. That's my experience. And we get to choose. Do I listen to my thoughts? Do I change my thoughts? Do I speak them out? Do I act on them? We get to decide, do we listen to our lower mind? Right? I call the lower mind the physical mind. Or do we listen to our higher mind, which is that non-physical, universal part of our intelligence? So we learn as these awakened beings, where do we connect our free will to? Are we going to play out the body story or are we going to try to connect to our soul and try to awaken to this universal path that we feel guiding us to the greatest states of happiness? And in my experience, there's really no comparison. Like if you get into your intuition and you start honoring it, like life just flows with ease. The experience of honoring your intuition is easily validated by all the experiences that unfold while you're then listening to your inner guidance. Um, so there's really no question in terms of the superiority of honoring your human condition knowledge or honoring your higher self knowledge. It, it's just it's a totally different experience when you're aligned with the will of God, definitely. Wow. So in that answer, you really answered my next question, which was, do all other species also have free will? And I would suppose that answer is also yes. The soul consciousness, I feel, does, but the different life forms have different degrees of influence onto the soul. So when I look at this whole evolutionary experience that we're having, essentially we're God that projected itself into a personal reality, into like its own life, 
But when it first projected itself into life, it erased all of its memory of knowing that it's God. So we have, like, divine amnesia. In order for God to go on the journey of creating the universe, has to forget that it's all-knowing and all-powerful and existing everywhere and perceiving everything. Right? If we knew we were God, we would have all the answers and where would be the fun of life? There'd be no challenge. There'd be no, there'd be no journey. There'd be no reward in our experience. So I feel that God, as ourselves, right, we forgot that we were God. We plugged ourselves into forms. But when we begin this journey, we have to begin with the most basic of forms. So we begin incarnating into gaseous molecules in the physical universe. So we're oxygen molecules and hydrogen molecules that are really experiencing the most basic type of interaction. It's just attraction and repulsion. You know, it's real basic. And to kind of put this in a context that people can understand, we have desires for food and we have desires to look at certain colors or certain shapes or feel certain textures on our skin. We have desires to have certain types of emotional energies. So we're real complex organisms. We have lots of different places in which we experience attraction and repulsion. But if we were only in atomic form, it would be real basic, right? We're only attracted to other atoms, and that's all that we do. My experience, and as I look at this telepathically and psychically, is that we've learned how to participate as creators in the universe by incarnating first into the most basic forms of life. And then we progress as we master those levels of creation. So we started as the most basic molecules of gases. Then we became more complex molecules like the mineral kingdom that has crystals and metals within it. Then we progressed into the plant kingdom. So there's now more biological processes going on. As a plant, we're desiring to reach towards the sun. We're also desiring to hide from the sun if it's too bright. Otherwise, our leaves will get burned. We're desiring to spread out into the space but we're also repelling ourselves from animals or maybe other plants in our environment. We're going after water. We're going into the earth. We're doing a lot of things as plants. Once we master that, then we become animals, and then we move up through the different levels of complexity in animal. Finally, then we get to human, and then after that, we keep going up this ascension of incarnation process where we become non-physical beings that have amazing creative abilities like angels would have. So looking at the forms we incarnate into, the more basic the form, like a gaseous element, the less free will we have, or so it appears. When we become plants, plants do more, they interact more, so it feels like we have more freedom in how we create. Animals have more free will, apparently, than plants do, humans, of course, more than animals, and so on. So the forms we incarnate into get more complex And that then offers our soul more creative freedom as well. So it's like a more intelligent animal, like your your house cat or your pet dog. They appear to have more of a personality than, say, uh, a fish you would find in a stream or a lake would have. Because that form of life, that biological life form, has a more evolved brain, a more evolved nervous system that also allows the soul to express more of its own free will as a creator. So my experience is we're all here as human beings to master the human experience. And right now I see the biggest lesson is learning how to cooperate as a group of people. Right? If you look at the human history, you'll see all of our greatest achievements and all the rewards of basically everything that we do requires us to interact with other human beings and create new experiences. Animals don't interact in the same type of way. So the challenge as human incarnate souls is to start to move towards the unity consciousness 
meaning that we learn how to create for the betterment of all of mankind and not just our own personal selves like a plant would do, for example. We're learning how to take our own personal will and really see that my happiness is directly related to the happiness of everyone and really everything around me. And that human body with its complexity allows us to have that awakened understanding of greater free will and also greater unity. So as I look at life, the forms are evolving as our souls evolve in complexity along this awakening process. And it's all really perfectly matched up between what our soul's ready for and then what the forms of physical reality offer us to do. Okay, so, so far, you guys, you're all getting an example of the intelligence and understanding of Lincoln and why I love to have sessions with him. And you can, too. You can sign up at channelinghigherself.com. And so channeling has two L's in it when you're adding the I-N-G, just so that you know channelinghigherself.com and I'll give that to you again throughout the show I have two more questions I want to ask you Lincoln and then I'm going to open the floor to calls and our call number is 888-627-6008 888-627-6008 if you would like to ask Lincoln a call about free will so um, my second to last question for you is what about parents and their children when it comes to free will? Because the, as the child tries to exercise their free will, I see a lot of squashing of that because parents want them to do something different. Speak to us on that, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question to look at because there's so many different examples. Um, I think the best guidance that I can give is that a parent should always try to educate a child. I think children don't understand why parents are saying don't do this or do that. And oftentimes the parent doesn't take the time to educate the child. So a child's going to become an adult at some point in their life. And all the conditioning that happens in that child's life then becomes the groundwork from which the adult's going to shape the rest of its journey. If we as parents and even as people in society can help children and help each other understand how life works, understand why we should do the things we do or why we should avoid other things, I think that would clear up all the emotional confusion, all the emotional wounding that happens. Because in life, you're going to get upset. You're going to get afraid. Like parents are afraid because their child's putting themselves in danger. But the parent yells at the child, raises their voice, creates all of this threatening, fiery emotion, and the child doesn't know how to understand it. If you ever watch a child get yelled at by a parent at least in the beginning, the child freezes. The child's very, very confused. It heard a loud voice from someone that it loves, someone that protects it and teaches it. It felt all this emotional strength, and it overwhelmed the child's nervous system and the child's understanding. And if that child's not explained why the parent responded the way it did, the child may internalize it and start thinking that there's something wrong with it. The child will think, I caused this intense energy in my parent, and I don't know why. If the parent helps the child understand, it's situational. It's because I love you, and I saw that this could hurt you. I'm not mad at you. I got scared by the situation, and I reacted by speaking loudly because I needed your attention. I wanted to make sure you didn't get hurt because I love you. But we don't see parents doing that. We see parents saying, stop that. 
and never saying another word. We see parents punishing their children when their children just followed innocent impulses to go experience, you know, the neighbor's yard or go touch an object that they didn't own. I think the challenge really lies in the parents and remembering their responsibility is to teach their child how to become a highly functioning adult in the world. And if we look at animals, we see this is what animals do, right? The parental animal, like if you have cats or dogs and you watch them give birth to young kittens or puppies, the parent animal trains the other animals. Now, there's a biological intelligence involved, of course, of how to hunt and how to bathe and how to sleep. But the parent knows that its role is to help the child learn how to function. And outside of that, you know, the cat or dog gives its kittens or puppies all this freedom to go where they want to go, do what they want to do. As parents, we get overwhelmed by all the choices. We project our own lack of understanding and our own fears onto our children, and we don't explain to our children that this is our understanding. We don't explain to the children why we're communicating with them the way that we do. You know, I work with a lot of people, and one of the challenges people have is they don't understand the emotions that they're feeling. They don't know why they're having terror at night when they fall asleep. They don't know why they have anxiety or every time they try to do something, they sabotage themselves. They, they really don't know. Consciously, they're not trying to. They feel vague memories or vague emotions or unclear thoughts, but they don't really understand why they're having such difficulty in their lives when they're trying to express their free will into the physical forms. And almost every time it comes down to traumatic emotional experiences where the child didn't understand what their environment was doing, right? Why were the parents fighting? Was it my fault? Was my life threatened? You know, why am I getting yelled at? So this confusion gets put into a child very early on. And then later on in our lives, it comes out as all these unknowable, inexplainable, confusing, conflictual emotions that we feel. So, yeah, I think our primary role, of course, of course, is to love our children. You know, I think that's biological as well. We love our children more than we love ourselves. And then I think the next thing is to teach your child and to try to give them the highest quality information to really set them up for the easiest and most successful experience. You know, we're all wanting to be happy. How can we help our children get the easiest road to happiness that we can find? Okay, we are going to stop for a break. When we come back, we're taking calls at 888-627-6008. Our break is incredibly short. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with wonderful Lincoln. And again, during the break, you may want to go visit his website. It's Channeling Higher Self. And again, channeling has two L's in it when you're pluralizing channel. So channelinghigherself.com. And we will be right back. Receive channeled messages and guided meditations to accelerate your ascension into higher self-consciousness. Join internationally recognized channel Lincoln Gurgar for channeled energy activations and information to help you awaken. Learn about your inner teacher, the higher self, the layers of your multidimensional energy system, and how to become a more effective creator of your human reality. Bathe in the peaceful radiance of the higher self and feel the blissful love of your spiritual heart with Lincoln, a channel for higher self. How many different ways have you attempted to understand yourself or your partner on a deeper level? You have most likely heard of the Myers-Briggs test, looked up your astrological sign, or read the five love languages and utilized something like this, checking in to see if you're compatible with your partner or someone else. This is irresistible, isn't it? 
Assessments and quizzes have almost become an obsession to see if we can better comprehend our pasts and also predict our futures, especially when it comes to love. The truth is, we all want to understand ourselves and our partners better, but sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Most people don't even think about their name as having any significance beyond what they are called and are unaware of the wealth of information their name holds. But your name is actually an incredibly powerful tool that can be used to understand yourself and others better. Sharon Lynn Wyeth has dedicated her life to studying names. A reading with her will assist you in knowing the other people in your life better by knowing what is important to them and how to connect on a deeper level. Book a reading today with her on www.knowthename.com for your stunning name review. And welcome back to Luminescence, Common Sense Spirituality. As we said, it's a very short break. And that's because I just want to be able to share the the knowledge of our guests as long as we possibly can. And again, just to make sure you know how to get a hold of Lincoln, it is through his website, which is channelinghigherself.com. So we have, um, I want to take a, a call from our listeners first before I ask my last question. Pauline from New York. You're on the line. What's hi. your question um, about Will? Good to hear I from you. Just, hi, by the way. Thank you for, for taking my call. And also, um, I just went to channelinghigherself.com. I might, I don't know why it's not going anywhere, but maybe I'm spelling it. I know you said double L-I-N-G, higherself.com. Yeah, it's channelinghigherself.com. I'll be glad to email that to you again also, Pauline. Okay. Yeah, that's not the question. I actually have... You know, I'm very confused. I know most parents are not even, they haven't cleared their own crap, so they're having their child, and <laughs> so they already got the burden of their ancestors plus the parents. So there really is no, it's not It's not like it's clear what path for free will anymore because this planet is really messed up. So even like you even, I mean, the name, it's we already have a destiny given to us, so I don't really know if we really have free will really anymore. I mean, it's a great concept, but it seems to me that we have to get through a lot before we can actually choose to use our free will. We have to be aware of what we're dealing with. There's just so much that's in the way to get us to our true divine free will. Okay, so Pauline, let's ask Lincoln. Lincoln, since we already have a blueprint or an outline of what we've planned for our life before we come, how does free will interact with this? Okay. Well, first, uh, Pauline, yeah, great question, because I definitely agree with many things you said. You know, we look around the world and we see a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion, a lot of people causing hurt and pain for each other. So it does make us ask, right, Where's what's the purpose of spirituality? What's the purpose of free will? How do we get there? Um, that's, I think, one of the, the greatest reasons why people embark upon the spiritual path in the very beginning. We're tired of our suffering. We're tired of living lives that just continue to disappoint us. So, yeah, it does take a lot of work. A person has to be very dedicated to understanding who they are and understanding how their reality works to even begin this process of awakening to an actual experience of being that soul-level consciousness that has the free will. Because you're right, our, our body, our mind... All of that is conditioned by our environment, especially by our upbringing. And if we look only to that, it's going to appear like we don't have any free will. 
that we're just a reaction that keeps expressing itself as we live with our environment. That's why it's so important that people practice meditation or mindfulness or even reading self-help books or spirituality books to try to understand and identify what they actually mean by this sense of being a consciousness or a conscious being or an awakened soul. We have to actually touch it. We can read teachings, but we still have to apply the teachings and, and really investigate the present moment. One of the ways that I teach is I try to help people feel the space of their own awareness. We want to learn how to perceive away from the forms of life because that's going to help to break the identification with only being those forms. So we focus on emptiness, awareness, stillness, and silence, and we really try to become those timeless, motionless qualities of the present moment. And that's what then breaks us free into that space of formless awareness. So essentially, our soul has no form. It's empty space, but it's holding everything that we're perceiving. And our soul has intelligence, but it's not expressing itself in the same way that our thoughts express themselves. So for example, you hear your thoughts. Well, who's hearing them? Right? You understand your thoughts. Okay, well, who's understanding them? That silent intelligence that processes all the forms is you. That's your soul, and that's the part that has free will. So I feel in order to make this tangible and real and not just a conceptual discussion, we have to learn how to find the actual experience of who we are beyond the forms that we're creating with. And when we get there, it just changes our whole reality. Essentially, we wake up. And like commonly said, we wake up, we realize we're in the matrix, right? There's this whole reality that we get to interact with and shape and change, but we have to first wake up. And to do that, we have to find the qualities of our soul, our consciousness, that are always existing in the present moment. And this is one way I think anybody can wake up in a real short period of time, right? The teachings, like, like Sharon's whole system, is about common sense spirituality. The teachings can be so easy, so clear, so direct, that a person can remove all the confusion and really get to the core of knowing who they are by experiencing themselves as the intelligence and the energy and the awareness within the experience of life and behind the forms of life. Um, so it is, wow. it is a very long journey. It can be a difficult journey at times, especially right now because of all the conflict. But there, there is also a divine purpose to all this conflict. And I know that's really hard to see sometimes because there's so much pain involved. And when we feel pain, we lose our faith, right? We lose our trust in the universe. And, and again, that's just one of the challenges that's going to help us to keep progressing. In my experience, the way I look at life is that every experience I have is an opportunity for me to continue to evolve. So how can I be more compassionate? How can I be more loving? How can I be more patient? How can I observe and try to understand more of what's happening in my reality so that I can continue to progress into greater states of happiness? So I see we're all wanting happiness. Everybody hears yeah. you. This is really important that you just share because if one person does that shift in this group, mm -hmm. the collective will um, 
it'll be accumulative. And then one by one, everybody's going to catch on and go quickly. And that's why I believe that, that, yes, this show is very important. Thank you for being here. Yeah. That was a very great <laughs> Oh, you're so welcome. Like I said, I'm just excited that he agreed to come with us every other month and take on important topics. So thank you, Pauline, for calling. Thank you. So, Lincoln, we're getting close to being out of time. Is there a short answer for this question that Amanda had written in ahead of time, which is why I had one more question to go, is how do we create what we want without infringing on another's will? And can you give us that answer in three minutes or less? I'll try. <laughs> I like to okay. talk a lot. I, I, try, I, try, I try to give a lot of information, <laughs> at least thorough. in one word. Yeah, whenever I'd understand it completely so they can use it and benefit from it. Um, the short answer is... You, uh, you can't, you can't change anyone else's will. And this is how I define it. This is how I understand it. You are free to choose however you respond. If I do something you don't like, you have a choice of what to say to me, what to do. You might not like it, but you still have a choice. So I don't think anybody controls anyone else's free will, but I do think that we control each other's bodies sometimes. If I hold you down, I'm controlling your body but I'm not controlling your soul's free will. And that's why I wanted to start our discussion today to really make it clear how I see free will because it makes a lot of sense to me and it clears everything up. In this world, there's limited resources. There's limited time. There's limited experiences. We all have finite bodies and we're in a finite reality. So we can't avoid conflict. And the problem with human beings is we think conflict is bad, but actually conflict is unavoidable. If there's one apple on the tree and there's two people, well, only someone's going to get it. Or if I share it, I still get half the apple and you get the other half. So we're still, there's still some conflict. We're still not getting completely fulfilled. The most that we can do as human beings, I feel, is respect each other's free will and then elevate our own personal desires to include everyone's desire in the experience. When we examine personal happiness, we realize that my greatest happiness is also in everyone around me is happy. If I make myself happy and everyone else is miserable, then I'm not going to have a good time. I'm going to isolate myself in my house. There's going to be all sorts of problems in my life. But if I realize that I'm part of the collective and my happiness depends upon everybody else's happiness, because if the vibration of the planet is only a level 10 and I want to get to a level 100, like I need everybody else to amp up with me as well. So that is, I think, the crux of the human awakening, and that's what we're feeling in the world right now, is we're learning to be responsible for each other while we cannot control or make decisions for each other. How can I choose to make the best experiences that I feel support the highest good of all life everywhere? And I think that frees us from that selfish ego and elevates us into more of a unity consciousness state. Um, as the question was answered, what do I do personally? I think that we have to stop being afraid of each other and stop being afraid to disappoint and disagree with each other. I think it's healthy to have different opinions because our exposure to all these different perspectives is what allows us all to learn. If we all thought the same way, addressed the same way, acted the same way, we would stop learning and growing as human beings. I think we have to learn to respect everyone's life and everyone's choices while also understanding that I have to try to do what is best for myself and everyone else. 
So we should evolve past selfish things and trying to hurt and harm each other while also honoring that we're going to have different opinions and different desires. So how, how can we all get along, you know, being different people in this world? I think that's the great lesson we're having right now. Thank you. I want to emphasize on something that you said in that, and that is that we are responsible for ourselves and to other people. And to make it really clear that we're not responsible for somebody else, but we are responsible to them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. Lincoln, do you have anything going on right now? Any events set up or whatnot, or what can they get from going to your website, channeling uh, the higher self, channeling higher self? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so first, Sharon, um, I have a number of different websites. Uh, the main website where I share all my videos and teachings is called Channel Higher Self. So C-H-A-N-N-E-L, Higher Self. And that's where you'll find my thousands of YouTube videos and all these teachings that I do. Uh, the website you shared, Sharon, Channeling Higher Self, that's really specific just to working with me one-on-one personal sessions. Um, so if, if people want to work with me, um, you can visit any of my websites, contact me, go to Channeling Higher Self with two L's. But if you really want to learn more about what I teach, if you want to understand the higher self's way of looking at reality, if you want to learn about some of my events, it would be channelhigherself.com. Uh, right now, I'm, uh, I'm going to be coming up in a few months on a, another um, online event uh, with a host in, uh, in Europe, a uh, Reed Van Heerwarden. I just finished up an event with her last week, and that was really, really powerful. We were talking about the new human experience, and there are about 21, uh, 21 of us presenters from all around the world, so I'm part of that group. Um, also, I'm on a, a monthly show called Awareness Ascending, in which I'm working with brain scientists. So I know next to nothing about brain science. Um, I, I know I might sound pretty intelligent to tell you about the different brainwave states, but that's really just elementary. The guys who are on this show with me, these are professional brain scientists. They have multiple PhDs. They work in laboratories. So they're partnered up with myself and other people who teach different areas of spirituality. And we brought, came together and created this, this organization called Awareness Ascending. So I have a show. Um, it's the third Tuesday, third or fourth Tuesday of every month. So I'm there. And then every week I post a new video on YouTube. Um, Oh, and then I also have I also have a weekly meeting group, which is my favorite one, uh, called the Inner Circle. So the people who are really dedicated to the work that I do, they've joined together, and I channel for everybody for three hours every Sunday. And we cover new topics every three months, and then within that three-month section, there's lessons that build the whole curriculum. So right now we're in the middle of one. And it's looking at deep emotional healing within the chakra system. So you learn how to take your consciousness into your chakras, which has your memories, your belief system, the vibrations that you feel, your emotions, all of that. We're going to learn how to go in there with that free will consciousness and actually reconfigure the psyche and the energies and the emotional reactions we have and the human understanding of the body. So So it's a lot of advanced stuff. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to join the inner circle, do they just contact you through um, channelinghigherself.com? Yeah, yeah. You can contact me. You can subscribe to my website and get all the updates. I have a Facebook page. Um, yeah, the cycles run for three months. You can purchase previous cycles. It's been two years since I've been doing this. There's a number of different curriculums that we look at. Um, yeah, just send me a message, and I'm more than happy to send some information um, you can look at my website. There's details there of, of how to sign up. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. I want to thank you so much for joining us, Lincoln. 
Next week, we're going on into this thing of consciousness even more. We're going to look at different levels of consciousness, and our special guest will be Pat Robertson-Rice. She'll be back with us talking about the different levels. Like always, we end our show with the wonderful music called Shine by Dee L'Amour. I'm just in love with that song. And for some reason, every time I hear that song, I just feel brighter and happier. I mean, if I'm ever feeling it all down, I just put on her music. It's absolutely transforming. Anyway, thank you for joining us at Luminescence Common Sense Spirituality. We will be back next week again on BBS Radio at the same time as previously at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 o'clock noon on uh, Western Time Zone. And this is Sharon Lynn Wyatt signing off. See you.